0: Good morning, Christ Prez, and Happy New Year to you. You know, one of the things that immediately stands out when you read the Gospels is that Jesus had an extremely high opinion of himself. His teaching was shockingly self-centered. He was constantly making extraordinary claims about who he was and what he'd come to do. And Jesus was unique in this way. His teaching about himself sets him apart from all the other great religious teachers of history. You know, they were always pointing away from themselves, saying, there is the way, there is the truth, this is how true life is to be found. But along comes Jesus, and he says things like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's never pointing away from himself, but instead always highlighting his own centrality and importance. One time Jesus was talking to some of the religious leaders, Of his day, and he says this Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Then we read that they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Jesus says, Before Abraham was, I am and then the leaders pick up stones to kill him. Why? It's not just that Jesus is making some weird claim to have existed before Abraham. It's it's the way he does it. He uses the very same words that God uses in the Old Testament when he reveals his name to Moses at the burning bush. I am. He takes God's name and applies it to himself. Making these kinds of extraordinary claims about himself seems to have been a regular part of Jesus' teaching. Seven times in John's gospel, Jesus makes these I am statements like, I am the bread of life or I am the light of the world, that flesh out his understanding of who he is and what he's come to do. And that's what we're going to spend these first Sundays of the new year wrestling with. We're going to ask, who is Jesus according to Jesus? And we'll get an answer by looking at these seven shocking claims he made about himself in the gospel of John. So, we begin today with this claim that Jesus makes twice in our passage. He says, I am the bread of life. This is an audacious claim. He doesn't say he's the baker of bread. He doesn't say he's the giver of bread. He says, he is the bread. Well, so what? What is Jesus saying? You know, bread is essential. It's necessary. At least when I was in elementary school, bread was at the bottom of the food pyramid, At the top were things like milkshakes and fries. Jesus doesn't say he's the milkshake of life. Milkshakes are a luxury. Bread is a necessity. Jesus is saying, you need me. He's saying, I'm the one, the only one, who can really satisfy the deep hunger of your soul. And don't you know you need this at the beginning of 2021? Are you aware of your hunger? We are hungry people. You know, we come into this world hungry, and then we spend most of our lives trying to satisfy our hunger. As Peter Lightheart observes, our lives are directed by our hungers. See, we're always living for what we think will bring us satisfaction, a sense of fullness. And from the very beginning of the Bible story, remember, we see that God intends to satisfy our hunger. We read, out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. But more than satisfying us with physical food, God always meant to satisfy us with himself. He intended deep relational intimacy with us. He wanted us to know him, to trust him, to rest in him. Maybe the deep longing of your soul and mine is to join God at a table and to feast with the one who made us and loves us but we're always turning from god we're trying to satisfy our hunger apart from him remember that's what adam and eve did we read so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate see what are they doing they're trying to satisfy themselves apart from god They're trying to find fulfillment without him. They think that the fruit can make them like God, full, satisfied. And so they eat it. Their eating is an expression of their deep inner resistance to having to depend on God. They eat to satisfy themselves instead of being satisfied by the one who would feed them. And so often you and I do the same thing. We take responsibility for our happiness and pleasure and satisfaction apart from God. But God comes looking for us. He's persistent in his searching love. And that's what Christmas is about. God coming to seek and save the lost. And do you remember how he does it? He comes eating and drinking. He comes as a human being, a real human being, who eats and who drinks. That's what Jesus says about himself in Luke. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they said, Look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Well, they were half right. They were partly right, because Jesus was a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Again and again, Jesus would sit down and eat with people the religious leaders wanted nothing to do with. Again and again, Jesus would go out of his way to share meals with people who were lonely and tired and broken, who felt far from God. The Son of Man came eating and drinking. That was God's missionary strategy. He welcomed hurting and broken sinners into a relationship with himself at a table. He was their friend, and he still is. Jesus ate and drank with people whose lives were complete messes, and he still does. The God of Christmas comes, offering us himself the bread of life, Jesus Christ how do we receive the spread of life as we begin this new year together well we work for it jesus says so he says do not work for the food that perishes but for the food that endures to an eternal life which the son of man will give to you see he's calling us to redirect our work to what really lasts to what really matters it's a good reminder at the beginning of the new year you know there are all kinds of goals you and i might have That are actually misdirected. In all kinds of ways, we could aim our lives toward the wrong ends. We could even make Jesus a part of this work for the food that perishes. That's what the crowd does in our passage. They show up because they're hungry. And in the passage right before before this one, um, they they do this because Jesus miraculously fed 5,000 people. So now they're thinking that maybe they can get some more food from Jesus And Jesus calls them on it. He basically says, look, you're seeking me, not for me, but because you think I'm going to help you get what you really want, which is something other than me. Is that your plan? You know that you're hungry, and you think Jesus can help you get the thing that will really satisfy your hunger? See, Jesus calls us on that. He says, don't treat me as a means to an end. Don't try to fit me into some kind of project you have up and running to feed yourself. He says, don't work for the food that perishes, work for the food that endures to eternal life. Now, when we hear that, the natural question to ask is exactly the question the crowd asks. What are the works? What are we supposed to do? Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? See, what are the works? What do we have to do? We want food that will last and bring life, so how do we get it? We immediately bring Jesus' promise into a religious framework that will give us bread that endures as the product of some kind of religious endeavor. The bread of life will be something we earn by doing a bunch of stuff. What must we do to be doing the works of God? What's the work? Maybe serving the poor? Maybe gaining biblical knowledge? Maybe feeding the hungry? Maybe improving your prayer life? Maybe visiting prisoners? Maybe going to church more regularly? maybe loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself. See, we might expect a long list from Jesus, including all of that and maybe much more. But Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. You see, not works, work. Just one. And what is it? Believing in Jesus. See, this is a short list you can memorize this list. Faith alone, in Christ alone, that's it. Trust Jesus. That's the work. That's what gets the bread of life. Now, of course it is, because Jesus is the bread of life. The only way to get nourishment for real living is to trust the one who is himself the nourishment, to come to the one who is coming down continually to us and constantly feeding his people. It's not that those other works aren't important. I mean, loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength is super important. It's just that none of them, none of those other works are what gets you the bread. See, they're all the byproducts of the one work of trusting Jesus. They're the fruit that grows on the tree of faith. So how do we receive the bread? We trust Jesus. Can you do that at the beginning of this new year? Can you put your faith In Jesus Christ, can you trust him? You might wonder, how much trust do you need? Any trust at all is enough. Luther liked to say that in Christ, we possess all, whether we hold him with strong faith or weak faith. He said, imagine two people, each with a hundred gold coins. One keeps the gold coins in a paper sack. The other keeps them in an iron chest. Which one is richer? You see, they both have the exact same treasure. Trust Christ with whatever measure of faith you have. That is enough. Bring your hunger to Him. You know, when we're hungry, we're aware of our neediness. When we're hungry, we know that we don't have enough. We know that we're insufficient. When we're hungry, we're acutely aware that we don't sustain ourselves. And when we get hungry enough, it becomes clear that without food, we'll die Our hunger reminds us that we are completely dependent on food for our life and our nourishment. We need sustenance from a source that is not us. And what is true physically is true spiritually. The way to receive Jesus is to come to him hungry, which means not denying your hunger. And it means rejecting the idea that you can feed yourself. You know, sometimes we do that. We think that we basically have what it takes to make our lives work well. We think that if we do the necessary tweaking, make the right New Year's resolutions, get the right habits in place, manage our finances a little better, well then we'll be fed. Then we'll have what we really need. Our lives will go the way we want them to go. We'll be the people we want to be. And so we're constantly feeding ourselves. But at the beginning of this New Year family, you're invited to come to the one who was born in Bethlehem, the house of bread, the city of bread. We're invited to come to the one whom Mary and Joseph wrapped in swaddling clothes and lay in a manger. You know, when you and I hear the word manger, we think baby Jesus. But when people in the first century heard the word manger, they thought food. A manger, remember, is just a feeding trough. And so Jesus is born in the house of bread and he's laid in a feeding trough. Are those just historical contingencies? No, of course not. I mean, God is telling us through the historical events the same thing that Jesus is telling us in our passage. He came into the world to be food, he is the bread of life. And the invitation is to come to him, to trust him, to eat and to drink to eat and to drink Him. Look at how easy God has made our salvation. Just trust Jesus. And how do you do that? Well, you just come to Him. And how do you do that? You eat and you drink. Well, that's what this table, the Lord's table, is all about. And of course, it's all a great mystery. I don't know how this is the body and blood of Christ any more than you do. You know, Calvin said it's a gift of the Holy Spirit, which sounds right to me. Jesus is really here by the power of the Holy Spirit. Luther wasn't quite satisfied with that. He wanted to stick closer to Jesus' claim that the bread actually is the body of Christ, that the cup is his blood. He was once asked how in the world the bread and wine could be the true body and blood of Christ rather than mere symbols, since at his uh, original institution of the supper, Jesus' body was there beside the table And the bread and the wine were there upon the table. I mean, clearly two different things. Luther replied, Jesus is good at miracles. And that sounds right to me too. I mean, however it happens, it happens. And that is enough. Jesus, the bread of life, promises to meet you here and to give you nothing less than himself, which is what you really need. And so come to him with your real need. Come to him empty and hungry. It's the best way to begin 2021. Come and receive Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.